For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's up, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Believe in Falcons. I am your host, Will McFadden, joined, as always, by former Falcons fullback, Ovi Mahaley. And we will get into the football in just a sec because, you know, big Falcons win we got to talk about. But I want to start out and ask you, Ovi. How was your Thanksgiving, man? What what'd you get up to? Oh. Well, I, I appreciate that. Um, it was good. We went to my sister's house. And uh, um, we, <laughs> you know, there's always got to be something in Thanksgiving. The food was great. And um, it's the silliest thing sometimes with families that people get <laughs> off in a tizzy about. It was like, I feel like I was in a Lifetime family movie. So I brought my dog, uh, Asher, and he met my brother's uh fiance's dog gabby and i thought it'd be fun because everyone bringing their animals my sister has two cats and so my dog was sniffing gabby like dogs do i don't think there's a problem but um my brother's girlfriend was just really annoyed because her dog's older so she got annoyed that my dog was being too friendly with her dog and then my brother got annoyed that she was annoyed and we went into <laughs> one of those things where get your dog away from my dog and then we all like got so tight everyone thought it was gonna be a huge uh, blow up. They're like, "What are we doing here? We're arguing about dogs." <laughs> then we get a big hug. It was it was a nice uh, kumbaya moment. But it was uh, it was a fun, typical Mahaley Thanksgiving where something happens to give it some extra life and drama. Because having a smooth, easy Thanksgiving is uh, too smooth and too easy. But besides that, the food was great. You know, sweet potato pie was great. Pumpkin pie was great. The fried turkey was amazing, and I uh, enjoyed seeing the fam. How about you? Uh, very much the same. It's actually kind of crazy because we we too had your, your dogs, uh, your brother's girlfriend's dog, <laughs> and your dog got into a fight. That same we did. Thing so we did have four dogs at at one location, and so we basically were all going to get together. Um, and my aunt and uncles they have kind of like a cabin farm get up in in cool. Florida where they just have a big property of land, but it's more of like the ride ATVs, dirt bikes kind of set up than it is like a like a farm or like a you know but in the woods so everybody was coming down um had had everybody's dog we get there and i guess uh my cousin who is you know 13 uh apologies simmons if i got your age wrong but uh, she basically found a puppy the day that they got there who was maybe two three months old little like kind of bulldog pit bull mix this dog uh we we Depending on who you asked, its name was either Biscuit or uh, Little Dog, or we had some Panthers <laughs> fans down there. They wanted to name it Keekly. Um, so no. just no no name yet. I think Biscuit is what they're going to go with. But this dog was mixing it up, man. Like This dog was a little uh, mighty Morphin Power Ranger, kind of like <laughs> keeping keeping up with all of the, uh, the much bigger dogs. Um, because they got after it a lot and awesome. you know little puppy just come and biting the the jowls of all the bigger dogs and and hanging in there so yeah i mean i don't know what it is about uh the two of us but thanksgiving very dog centric 
um, yes. this year. But but like you, it was a great great time, good chance to see the family. Um, definitely some weird shenanigans that took place uh, there as well. So um, much like yours in that aspect, also. Uh, but let's get into some football right after this quick break. Today's podcast is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet you didn't see that one coming. Well, Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the football and basketball action this season. So head to their new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's half off, guys. That's a big deal. What are you doing? Don't just sit there. Use the promo code Believe50, B L E A V 50 to receive that bonus. So what are you waiting for? Get started. Head over to Bet Online today because it is the fastest and easiest way to bet all of your favorite sports. Bet Online, where the game starts. All right, Ovi, enough about families and Thanksgivings and dogs. That is all in the past. Uh, we're here to talk about winning football teams. And today, thankfully, that includes the Atlanta Falcons, who knocked off the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, 21-14 on the road. Two turnovers in the win. You'd love to see that. An interception and a, uh, a forced fumble strip sack. More importantly, and I, we're going to touch on this, I'm going to let you take the reins. Ran for 149 yards. Uh, and Cordell Patterson, we've learned, is the Falcons offense. 16 yeah. carries, 108 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, the microphone is yours, Ovi Mahaley. Talk about your guy. Oh, my gosh. Uh, Cordero Patterson, I said it before, I'll say it again. They need to go ahead and just build a statue right now, whether he stays with the team or <laughs> yeah, not. Like, his statue needs to be somewhere. They can put it at the facility. They don't want to put it at the stadium. They can put you know, that practice facility somewhere. Get, put it in his house. They should put it in the end zone. Just, that's, that, that's where, they, they, that's they where he lives. They can put it in the end zone. That would be very <laughs> apropos for what he's done for this team. Um, it, it is such an amazing, and I, I am so excited for him, uh, turn of events for him to be not only this dynamic, uh, this uh, influential, uh, uh, this timely, but to be all these things consistently. Like consistently mm-hmm. when Cordero Patterson is on the field, he's going to get you, I almost said buckets, he's going to get you touchdowns, he's going to get you yards, he's going to get you first downs, he's going to get you big-time plays. I still can't believe the uh, the last play against the Saints, like I, I'm, we beat the Saints. Like that, It's still not something that I'm having trouble understanding because i remember i was collapsing at the end then that we had like one or two plays left that dropped that dime that matt ryan and Cordell passing uh made happen and yeah. he took it 60 70 a bunch of yards that happened that's not usual for us and that's the type of um big play mentality that he has and that he can actually execute on so watching him go off this game for 100 plus yards was uh it's just exciting it just kind of confirmed what everyone already kind of knew when he's not there, we have a rough time scoring points, which is not good for us. And, you know, it's it's great for quarter passing because he's going to get that money this offseason from somebody, hopefully from us. But we need to make sure we have an offense that if one guy goes down, we don't turn into nothing. Right. And I mean, to, to your point about the quarter Patterson kind of New Orleans play, because he did something very similar today. He is the best kind of balance on the sidelines. Of anybody I've, I've seen in a long time. He yeah. routinely is going to slip out of these kind of tackles when there's the margin for error is like centimeters and yeah. still manages to stay and tiptoe down the sidelines and turn kind of 
maybe a five yard gain into a 25 yard gain. Because if you're on the sideline with space in front of you, that's the furthest possible distance for a defender to run. It's why coaches and, and defensive coordinators do those drills in practice where you got to run all the way and yep. touch the touch the runner as he's running down the sideline. It's to prepare them drill. for things like this. But no, Corderell Patterson, I mean, he does it in every single way, right? Like that Saints game, lined up wide, boom, beat his guy one-on-one, made a great catch today. Running right up the middle on a fullback ISO for a 12-yard touchdown run. I mean, Keith Smith is really playing well right now as as well. I mean, he was getting some love. You you saw he mushed he mushed yeah. the, the the Dolphins defender, mushed him in his face, Ovi. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it was a it was an angry run. I know. I think on NFL Network they have a, a segment called Angry Runs, and it was just such a great angry run. Catches the ball. I, I loved it in slow motion too. Catches the ball, turning. You know. Gave a one-two uh, shoulder shimmy shake and just mushed that guy's head straight into the ground and kept moving. That was beautiful because fullbacks who are athletic and just ball players are the ones I love. The ones that can still yeah. mash somebody up, you know, have a awesome uh, uh, pancake block, but still be effective on the short yardage game or in the short passing game. And that was what he's displayed there. So Keith. Uh, he gives man his flowers, you know, while while he's here on the team. Don't don't wait for uh, him to be gone. Like, yo, that Keith uh, was a uh, was pretty pretty decent. He was a good fullback. <laughs> no, make sure this man knows how much he's appreciated. And so, you know, not like Mike Davis can say much because no one's interviewing Mike Davis. He's not as much of a <sighs> a force as I would like. But you know, Cordell Passing gives him a couple of uh, you know a little bit of love here and there. But you should really talk about when Keith's in about how he's helping you guys run the ball. Yes. And it's not just Keith Smith, although he is a huge part of it because he's, you know, he's got to either clear the path or, um, you know, continue to stretch along that outside zone and, and seal the edge. But I think by and large, just a night and day performance for Atlanta's run game as a whole from where it's yeah. been the past couple of weeks. And that takes everybody. I mean, you know, maybe I'll say 10, 10 guys. Matt Ryan's not doing doing a ton, but he's got to get the ball in there. He's got to get the ball in the, in the bread basket. But I thought the offensive line just played so well. It did. Blocking. They, they really looked cohesive. Um, everybody was moving. There was really only kind of one or two plays that I noticed where somebody truly just kind of got beat or didn't get the right leverage mm-hmm. on their guy. But outside of that, I mean, I think it was very clear that the Falcons went into this practice week focused on getting the run game going. And Arthur Smith kind of said, uh, he was asked why he was confident that the run game could get turned around. And he likened it back to 2018. And he was like, you know, revisionist history makes it seem like Tennessee always had an amazing run game. But there were a lot of times in 2018 when we were trying to install and implement what we wanted to do, where it wasn't all clicking. And there were some, some bad plays and blown up things in the backfield and it just wasn't working, but we stuck to it. And it just takes time for guys to really get those reps and get it ingrained and work yeah. together cohesively. And he said, I really believe that the Falcons could be kind of on a similar trajectory where maybe they make that next jump. And if that happens, Ovi, I mean, what does that mean for this offense if they can now kind of change and start relying on the run game when their pass game, which we'll get to in one sec, still isn't you know where I think mm. a lot of people hoped it would be? Yeah. Uh, it, it would mean what um, Matt Ryan at his age should always have. Every elite quarterback wants a great run game. Every 
you know, good quarterback wants to be able to have their play action draw the linebackers in because there is an actual threat of the run. And Matt Ryan has, <coughs> excuse me, hasn't had that for the longest time because our run game hasn't scared anybody. It hasn't, you know, no, no one's uh, staying awake at night worrying about the Falcons' run game for the majority of this season. But with Cordell Patterson and the offensive line, because you're absolutely right, they were um, coming off the ball. They were like, uh, you know, a bunch of steamrollers getting under pads and moving bodies. It's great to see. It's like a, you know, a rising tide. You can see all those jerseys kind of just walling off and slowly yeah. creating different levels, different gaps. And I love it when the the really a work of art for those of, of us who really <laughs> watch the linemen and watch what happens in the trenches. A solid double team on a defensive tackle. And then working up to the linebacker and actually getting him is one of the hardest things ever. Uh, um, I used to, in the Baltimore uh, system, I played tight end for a little bit. Well, it was H-back. They had me at H-back. They were doing all types of crazy stuff, and I, I hated it. Uh, lining up in tight end <laughs> position, I hate it. I can't, I can't get a running start. But when you're able to, as my H-back self, work with a tackle, double-team a big uh, defensive lineman, and then get to that second level and do that yeah. correctly – it is a work of art, and the Falcons were doing that time and time again and giving uh, Cordero Patterson and a couple times Mike Davis a chance to not get touched for two or three yards, which never happens for the Falcons. There's always guys you know, doing spin moves in the backfield because they're getting knocked down or getting uh, uh, pressure and getting penetration. So if the Falcons can get back to old-school bully ball in the run game, that means everything for uh, for Atlanta and, as you mentioned, we need this now more than ever and can really be a force to potentially have a, a nice playoff run. So I really feel like this is something that could work for the team. I know offensive linemen would probably be the, the first to say, no, do not make this comparison. But uh, what, what you just mentioned with uh, double teaming up to the second level is so like uh, a choreographed dance. Like it's like dancing with a partner because you have to, you have to time it correctly. You have to understand and kind of feel the presence of the other person, understand what they're going to try to do, and then time it all perfectly to make sure that they're not sliding yeah. off too early before you don't have kind of your right lever. Like you've got to bump him off to the next level. But if you don't do that quick enough, yep. he's going to miss his window to get the linebacker. So it's got to be perfectly timed. And yep. that's that's the balance. That's why it takes so much practice get these guys if you leave, too, leave too early then your mm-hmm. guys the uh the defensive tackle is going to get uh right to the quarterback if you leave too yep. late you're not going to get to your linebacker he's gonna go over the yep. top and tackle the uh the running back clean it, it's just you have to have that mind meld where you understand exactly what the other guy's thinking you can actually feel say your eyes were closed you can be able to feel exactly what to do and when to do it and the falcons they got in that uh you know that that, that, that sweet spot they got in that zone for a little bit, and it was nice to watch because, you know, again, as a fullback and a connoisseur <laughs> of a, a well-working run game, it was poetry in motion at times. At times. It was, and it was very much needed. And it, it's awesome to see that, you know, it, it's really, it's encouraging, I think, by and large, for the most part, uh, across any fan base. When, when you say a season is about progress and about getting better, mm-hmm. You need to see examples of of things getting better. And I think that the run game today is a sign that if Arthur Smith kind of says, look, we we know that we need to get better here, but we're focused on trying to improve in that area. Now he's got an example to point to to say, look, we we 
really focused on the run game, came out and ran all over Jacksonville um, and got him going. And of course, Cordell Patterson, huge hand in that. Without him, who's to say? You know, maybe it doesn't happen. But I do think they need to probably now go and figure out what's up with their passing game because it's yeah. it's not been really threatening at all over the last few weeks. And I, I think Russell Gage had a good game today. I mean, we we should note <clears throat> six catches, sixty two yards, caught that touchdown pass. That was huge. I mean, that, that yeah. they were able to. Um, connect on some big plays through the air. And, and maybe they felt they didn't need to when you're running the ball like they were. That It was clearly an emphasis. They wanted to come in. You know, they, the strength of their team right now is not, is not their outside weapons. Um, so, you know, there, there's only so much Matt Ryan can do. He didn't have a great game, but he didn't have a bad game. Um, the one thing I want to ask you, though, is there any percent of you that is concerned about Kyle Pitts and and what we've seen from him now the last couple of weeks when teams clearly just can take him away if they choose to do so. No, there's no concern. I think uh, watching Kyle Pitts uh, do what he did against, you know, decent defenses, his 100-yard games weren't weren't against slouches, and it wasn't because they just, you know, messed up every single time he caught the ball. He showed that (laughs) even in double coverage, he was able to get separation, use his big body a la Tony, Tony Gonzalez, and kind of box people out, uh, make some really tough catches, show that he has some great hands. You know, a couple of these catches were one-handed. I, I, I know that Kyle Pitts can be a 100-yard game guy consistently. I just also know that when he's double-teamed the majority of the time and when people know that Russell Gage ain't scaring people, Lamine Sakias ain't scaring people, Tajay Sharp ain't scaring people, Kyle Pitts, his potential, his ceiling is so high, he can maybe... Be- scare people with the potential that he has and that's why they're going to try to take him away first so i'm not worried about kyle getting back uh you know into the swing of things and and being that top guy calvin ridley should be here uh, or, or calvin ridley s type of guy so his rookie year he, he doesn't have to shoulder the whole load but you know it is what it is so uh, i think that with time the season is a work in progress no one's expecting us to go to super bowl this year and no one's even expecting us to make the playoffs this year we do it great, you know, but this is more of a developmental season where Kyle Pitts needs to, I think, understand how to play in the NFL, how to play while being the guy. Because next year, he's, you know, no more training wheels. Take those off if they aren't off already. Yeah. He's going to be the guy and going to be someone that we rely on heavily. It's, I have, I'm kind of like of two minds when it comes to this because I completely agree with everything that you just said. And I, I bring this question up, not not so much because I believe it, but I do think that there are probably some people out there in the fan base who are, you know, kind of kind of saying, well, wait, I thought Kyle Pitts was supposed to just be like the next uh, most amazing thing ever. And and now this is kind of uh, yet another game where we're into the third quarter and it's kind of like, well, he doesn't have a catch yet. What's happening? Yeah. Um, But 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 what you said is is very important because he's. It's it is his potential that is still allowing the Falcons to kind of do some of the other things I think that they want to do. And they're in a lot of ways lucky <laughs> that teams are already as afraid, I think, of Kyle Pitts as they are, um, because on the one hand, it could be, look, he's really the only guy that we're afraid of. So we're just going to take him away, even though maybe on the on the grand spectrum of anywhere from Aaron Donald to the worst player in the NFL, like maybe he's not 
in that upper echelon yet, but he's the best you guys have. So we're going to just take him away because that's what all teams want to do. Um, but with Corderell Patterson there now, I think it's clear that he's been <coughs> their most effective player, Patterson, but teams are still choosing to focus oh, yeah. on Pitts. Easily. And so I think that that's kind of the sign of respect that we're seeing from these teams. I think the fourth down catch that he made, or, or third, was it fourth down? I think it was fourth down. Um, over the middle, that slant. Hands catch, brought it in, double coverage, mm-hmm. got hit. Huge play. I mean, it's not that Kyle Pitts doesn't make big plays. He does. It's that he doesn't impact, I think, the game in its totality as much as maybe fans would expect. He's not getting the lion's share yeah. of, of targets, of looks. And I wonder <laughs> if part of that is Matt Ryan, you know, still kind of learning to trust him. Where is he going to be? We've now seen a couple of interceptions uh, that Matt's thrown while targeting Kyle Pitts. But yeah. on the flip side, if you're really this generational talent and you're really this good, then I, I need you to impact the game even when teams are trying to take you away. That is what special players do. And I know that he's a rookie. Yeah. I know he's learning. But I, it, I even question a little bit about like some of his route running that I saw today. It, it doesn't look as polished. And I get that. Like you're, He's a rookie. He was, he's gone into this really with no real offseason at all to speak of. He was training. No. He he had a breakout year last year. This has been a whirlwind kind of 18 months for Kyle Pitts. And oh yeah, there was a whole pandemic yeah. during the midst of all of that. So I'm willing to give him a break and cut him all of the slack in the world because he's still 25th overall in receiving yards in the entire NFL. So he's doing fine guys, but just wanted to bring it up because I think that we're, we want to see another Kyle Pitts kind of breakout takeover game. Maybe it'll come next week against Tampa Bay. Yeah, maybe it will, maybe it won't. Uh, I think one thing is the uh, elephant in the room that we haven't even mentioned on, on this wonderful podcast we have. It's the Jacksonville Jaguars, William. Uh, it, it's the freaking sure, Jacksonville sure. Jaguars. Everything has to be taken with a grain of salt. Our run game was much better, but again, it was the Jaguars defense, Jaguars linebackers, Jaguars defensive backs, and their coaching staff. Uh, so it, it's something that I have learned with these Falcons to understand how to pull things back and have perspective when we look at things. I I definitely know that we still could have lost this game as much as I say the Jaguars are just, just the Jaguars. They're an NFL team. They're, they're they're a good team, but um, we have many more problems that were not brought up because of the fact that our talent was so inferior, uh, inferior, we were joking a little bit to say, hey, the Falcons won. We're great. We're, we're back, baby. Uh, we're, we're good. And you're like, nah, we're, we're better than the Jaguars. So let's not say we're, yeah, we're back yeah. and we're great. We're good, but we're better than the Jaguars. So I, I think that we have something uh, you know, good to talk about there. Yes, absolutely. I mean, it, it, we should very much and mention right up at the top uh, that this is Jacksonville. And, <laughs> but, but frankly, I mean, Outside of the Saints game, and I, I think it's fair to question now at this point, how much is that Saints game worth? You know, this clearly is not the Saints team of, of the last five years that was constantly, yeah. you know, the number two seed in the NFC. Um, yep. The Falcons have gotten their wins against <clears throat> the mediocre teams in the NFL. But yeah, by and large, in 2020, the pool of mediocre teams, I think, is as big as it's been in a while. There's, a, there's a huge middle class. In, in both conferences, AFC and NFC, you're seeing a lot of teams in that five and six, kind of six and five range or, or worse, you know, that, that 
four and seven, but like a lot of teams are still in the thick of it. And we're in December. If there's one reason why I'm cautiously optimistic about the Falcons chances of maybe being among the better of those middling teams as you know, the, the season continues to get colder. I think their defense for the second straight game played a, a really, a really good game. Um, and, and I think that we are starting to see some younger players kind of come into their own and impact the game in different ways. And I think that we saw guys like Ade Ogundeji, um continues to play really well as a rookie. Um, I think Arthur Smith called him a, a, a quiet professional today uh, yep. after the game, which in, uh, you know, I'm obviously <laughs> totally um, don't know this for a fact, but judging Arthur Smith, I feel like that's one of the highest compliments like he could give somebody uh, just yeah. quiet professional of the type of coach that is no nonsense. Like you want a building full of quiet professionals, <laughs> just go about their job. Don't cause any drama um, and, and get it done. Ade is doing that. I think Darren Hall for the second straight game, uh, is is showing why he should maybe be on the field a little bit more. AJ Terrell, again, continues to yeah. be an absolute superstar out there. Brady Jarrett made some plays. Dante Fowler got back to it. Michael Walker led the team in tackles while filling in for Deion Jones. So we're seeing this defense now start to be productive. And yes, again, it's Jacksonville, rookie quarterback. Uh, I do think <laughs> um, James Robinson did run over the Falcons uh, kind of when he wanted to. But yep. they held them. They held Jacksonville over two on fourth down, one and three in the red zone, and more importantly, all three of those red zone trips got into goal to goal scenarios. So they were still one of three allowed just one touchdown on goal to goal scenarios uh, out of the three that Jacksonville had. So I, I think mm-hmm. that they, the defense is learning to play situational football. I think really well. They're timing their blitzes in key situations. They're playing man defense really well in the secondary when they have to. Uh, what did you think of Atlanta's defense today? I thought that they, uh, they've been getting better. And I, uh, I said this is just Jacksonville, but it's, it's a trend because even though the last game against the Patriots was, was rough, 25-0, to uh, Falcons defense only allowed 19 points, a touchdown. They had an interception, three sacks. And, you know, you, you realize that, wow, against the Patriots, which is a, is a good offense, it's not mm-hmm. Jaguars. They did their job for the most part. Yeah. And offense couldn't do a, a dang thing. And they carried that, um, think of that mentality that, you know, we watch film and we're not a bad defense. We we play bad more often than not, but, you know, we can be an average to above average defense. And they kind of went with that that theme against the Jaguars. You're absolutely right. Grady Jarrett is, you know, obviously, you know, your superstar defense, the guy on the posters, the, the one who you can count on day in, day out. And, like Arthur Smith said, he, he's a quiet, you know, uh, guy you can re- rely on. But he was disruptive, very not quiet when it came to you know <laughs> making Trevor Lawrence have some errant throws and making him feel pressured. And um, you know, it, it was nice seeing them kind of shake things up a bit because our, our defense has never been our, uh, you know, just like our running game. Our, our defense, our running game has never been our uh, real landmark or that we hang our hats on. And if uh, we can slowly find ways through DP's scheme to make our defense a little more dangerous uh, when we're not playing the Jaguars against average teams and, and good teams, it just gives us a chance. So everyone has to raise their game. 
for us to even sneak into the playoffs, for us to even, you know, if we sneak into the playoffs to get one win, that will, that, I've seen it happen before. That sets you up for the next year to where you can have uh, expectations and guys with playoff experience and young guys mm-hmm. who want to get back there and want to now that we have a whole year to, to work on us and know where we're at, let's win it all. Um, not that I think we'll be ready to win it all next year. <laughs> I, I think at least two years. But who knows what our GM is going to do? Who knows who we bring in? Who knows when we have more time to build our team? What can happen? So it's uh, you know, a little bit exciting. I, I've I've stopped giving myself super hope and stopped being crazy optimistic because I know how that ha- how that works. And Falcons have broken my heart way too many times, but I, I feel like it it could become really interesting if we can get our defense continue to improve the way they're doing. Yes, and you use the word dangerous uh, kind of in the middle of that there. And and not that I think that the Falcons are a dangerous team now or really, you know, close to being a, a super dangerous team. But if I was going to make the case of, you know, why the Falcons could become a dangerous team, uh, you know, before all is said and done, if I'm going to if I'm going to kind of look for a dark horse team, naturally, I think my mind goes to. What is a team that's uh, adapting to a new situation? And with a new coaching staff, uh, with new coordinators on both sides of the ball, everything is different. New players are in here. Kind of like Tampa Bay last year, all year long, this is a learning process. This is guys getting more comfortable with the players around them, with the guys communicating, with the coordinators and the way that they coach and the way that their leadership styles, with tendencies on either side of the ball. Like, Everything that these guys have been a little bit comfortable with over the last five years with Dan Quinn and Raheem Morris and all of these guys in in place who are familiar, now they're learning. And so I think that is why the message of just incremental improvement, get better each week. But for a team like the Falcons, if the light clicks on at some point, I think that the jump they could make relative to a team maybe in year two or three with with a coach like the Colts or some team like that, I feel like the Falcons may have a higher gear ceiling to hit because if everybody does finally, if it makes sense to them like it did with the run game today, that really could boost a lot of key areas for this team. And I think we're seeing it on the defensive side of the ball because I think that this scheme is a little bit harder. I think it is a little more complicated, which is probably why we didn't see some of these younger players earlier on like we thought we would. We didn't see Richie Grant very much. We're just now starting to see Darren Hall. I think that what they're being asked to do in Dean Pease's scheme, I think he wants to trust veterans to do it early on. But now it seems like he's starting to trust the young guys. And these guys are clearly very eager and excited to get out there and show what they can do. And I think that's going to be like a a rising tide lifting all boats type of effect is getting this energy, this enthusiasm. It's almost like a reverse rookie wall. You're letting your young guys loose now. Um, so it is, have you ever been a part of a team like that where it, it kind of, you started the year, maybe not knowing what you had and then you, you found it and then you really realized, Oh no, like actually there may be something real here. Like we, we can, we can be something maybe like that 2008 team. Yeah. You know, that, that was a good point. Um, our 2008 team, that first year we had Mike Smith. We, we didn't know who we were or what we would be. We, we knew that we had something because at least for, for me and the guys who were there with Bobby Petrino. And then we had Mike Smith. We knew that the energy was absolutely different. Uh, you know, it was a real NFL coach with a 
real NFL coordinators and we had real NFL meetings. So we knew that uh, the professionalism was light years from where we had what we had. But, you know, we, we weren't sure that after training camp at OTAs, we would be a a dominant team or, or a team that could win games continuously. Um, and as we got near the end of the last quarter of the season, you know, we were, no one was expecting us to go to the playoffs. No one was expecting us to go to the playoffs. <laughs> I mean, after the Mike Vick dog situation and yeah. the carousel of Joey Harrington, Byron Leftwich, and Chris Redmond, still love Red. He's, he's still the, the best out of the group. Um, but we weren't supposed to do anything except for just, you know, be there, you know, play ball, get through the season. And we snuck into the playoffs because, kind of like how you mentioned, we figured out our roles. We figured out um, how to uh, take full advantage of the schemes. We figured out how, how to mesh well with each other. And there's one thing to practice, but to have that game experience and to have that belief uh, really plays a part. And yeah, we snuck into the playoffs. We lost the first game, but just being into the playoffs was exciting. It, it really yeah. it goes back to what I said before, which is why, you know, there are some people, uh, and I, I'm on the fence about this, like, hey, let's, you know, let's let's lose games and let's get a higher draft pick. I'm like, yeah, we could do that because if we get to the playoffs, we're not going to the Super Bowl. But there is so much value in the experience yes, yes. and the confidence of winning games late in the season that you can bring it to next year. So, uh, yeah, I think that 2008 season was, was a great uh, example. I think uh, the Arizona Cardinals we played lost to, I believe so. And um, yep, yep, it was. It was fun. Uh, it, it it was it was nice, but it was uh, something I think everyone took from and used it the next time we uh, got on the field the year following. And I think that you you could point at that Arizona game as uh, a a time when I think the team, because if I remember correctly, it was a competitive game. Nobody expected the Falcons to really yeah. kind of give Be the Cardinals any, anything. And it was a fourth yeah. down conversion, I think, or maybe a third down conversion the Cardinals made over Keith Brooking. And it was at oh. that point when I think the organization realized that they needed to maybe move move on from a, a team legend, a team icon uh, in yes. Keith Brooking. Yes. But they needed go, to get faster on defense. What? Yeah, love love Keith, but you're absolutely right because Keith was uh, in the third and fourth quarter. He was having trouble keeping up with some of these uh, younger, yeah. quicker, faster uh, running backs and uh, receivers, and they did do that. We we were close. We were absolutely close, but um, it, it's something I think kind of stayed with a lot of the younger uh, players and even you know guys who are uh, midway through their careers where they said, "Okay, we got a real coach. We got a real team. We can really do this. Let's." Let's go. It gave us confidence to work even harder in the offseason. And it's possible that the Falcons currently find themselves in kind of a similar mindset, a, a similar point in time for the uh, the organization. Um, and let's take a look at where the Falcons actually are kind of in the playoff picture. But first, one more quick break. Say goodbye to dull gifts. I think I will. Lightbox lab-grown diamonds are the brightest gift of the year. Ah, I see what they did there. You know, diamonds dull, bright. These guys are on it. Using cutting-edge technology and innovative techniques, they've cracked the science of sparkle, creating the highest quality lab-grown diamonds you can find. And at a light price, too. I mean, $800 per carat. Not a big, uh, you know, carat expert myself, um, but there's that information for you. $800 per carat. So you may be asking... What is a lab-grown diamond? Well, 
They have the same chemical makeup of natural diamonds, but they're just grown in a lab. Because of the process, they can create stones in a bluish pink or, you know, a, a, just a classic white, maybe just a good, beautiful blue. I'm a classic blue guy myself. So visit lightboxjewelry.com to add some sparkle to your holiday shopping. That's lightboxjewelry.com. Lightbox Diamonds. Never a dull moment. All right. So now with with the Falcons winning today, they move back uh, to five and six. So one more win and they'll be back to 500 again, Ovi, and we can talk about it if they can get if they can get over the hump uh, for what the like third time, I think, so far this year. Yes. Yes. (laughs) So, you know, that's a tradition that we look forward to every um, other week. But yeah, I mean, I, I think that Atlanta winning today puts them right back on the fringe of where everything falls. San Francisco, I'm looking at this now as we're recording, uh, knocked off Minnesota. So they held on to win that late afternoon game. Both of those teams were five and five. So Minnesota is now tied with Atlanta at five and six. San Francisco is six and five. Um, But I think Atlanta is tied right there for that wild card spot. Obviously a lot of football's left to play six games for the uh, Falcons. So that is all going to change. But more importantly, Panthers dropped a game five and seven. Now Saints Did lost they? on on Thanksgiving. So they're five and six. Bucks won. That was a great game with the Colts. They're up to eight and three. But at this point, it's it's less about the division. Um, but Falcons are now second in the uh, in the division for what that's worth. I mean, they've got the tie break over the Saints and they have the better record than the Panthers at this point. So. That's so like, crazy to me. We, we haven't been playing second in the division football. No, we haven't. And and but it's it's like Matt Ryan said after the game. Yeah, you know, December is here, and the Falcons are are in the mix. And it it is. I I do think it's impossible to kind of not draw some comparisons to the twenty eight two thousand eight season. It's I mean it. Yeah. New direction for the organization. Obviously not a not a new franchise quarterback in here, but a new offensive kind of centerpiece in Kyle Pitts. Yeah. Um, uh, just a very different way of doing things. Big culture shift like that was from Petrino to, to Smitty. So a lot of comparisons. All it takes is to be in the mix. If you're in the mix, you got a shot. And I think that that's what the Falcons mindset has kind of been all season long. It was if we can get to December and still be in the mix, for a lot of the reasons I highlighted earlier, I think that they could become a dangerous team. Um, what do you think the Falcons have to do? Because they've shown they can beat bottom dwellers like Jacksonville, yeah. like Miami, like New York, both of them. But yeah. next game is a rematch against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who I just mentioned oh. on the road, beat a really good Colts team in a, in a really good game. What do the Falcons have to do based on kind of what you saw today to to show that they can compete with good teams, maybe not win on Sunday, maybe not yet, but at least kind of give them a game deep into the fourth quarter, kind of like they did, frankly, the first time they played, you know, if that had just continued on. But what do they need to improve upon and continue to do um, to really compete and take that next step? I would like nothing more for us than for us to actually give New England, I mean, give to, (laughs) <laughs> Tampa Bay uh, a run for their money because they don't expect it. They're, I, I, I've been on Tampa Bay-ish teams when we're 13-3 and three and we're playing bad, even mediocre teams. because We're an elite team and we know if, you're, if you don't come with it, 
you're not you don't have a chance. And of course, yeah. we don't look past you know any team because it's the NFL. Anything can happen on any given Sunday. But where we expect to beat you know every every team, but especially these uh, bottom dwellers. And that's how Tampa Bay is looking at us. So to surprise them and surprise Tom Brady's smug behind, uh, (laughs) it'd be something that Falcons fans would really enjoy watching, really enjoy watching, especially after he was on that team that beat us uh, for that darn Super Bowl. Um, Yeah, it's, it's something that we have to really understand that it's more than just the coaches putting us in positions to succeed. It's about us stopping to stop taking turns making mistakes. The offensive line, mm-hmm. when the run game's not clicking, it's guys taking turns making mistakes. So it's my bad and sorry about that. And you know, I'll get him next time. And oh, uh, he just got around me with a, a, a move. I used to say, you can ask Mike Turner, Jerry Snow, Jason Snelling, any of the guys in the running back meet room. I was all about, you know, perfect play Fridays. Perfect play Friday. <laughs> That's when, you know, we have uh uh shorts on and helmets and we're, we're getting ready to, to walk through everything. And it's about assignments. I, I knew phys- physically I was going to, you know, be good enough. I was going to manhandle the guy. I worked in the offseason. I knew I was strong enough. But it was perfect play Fridays because the game is mostly mental. And if you're not tied in or dialed in all the way, you know, uh, I hate to say 110%, but 110%, you have to be there and, and then some for your technique, what you do if this happens. You know, understanding the audibles, being able to, you know, in your head, kind of visualize everything, watch all the film you can watch, be able to, uh, you know, predict their move before they do it. If you're not in that mode to the player, you can't get better because the great teams have, uh, you know, even their quote unquote worst player is busting their ass trying to figure out how they can find a way to contribute. And the Falcons need to get in that mode. So I think it's the little things, it's the intangibles that, is really going to allow us to elevate because we can only be as good as uh, as we can be with the talent we have. But if everyone commits themselves to raising their game in any way possible, that allows us to be competitive against the better teams. Today's podcast is brought to you by Perfect Play Friday. Perfect Play Friday. <laughs> be there and then some. <laughs> that's that's that. pretty much. Pretty much. <laughs> I mean, I, I was I was so like annoying about it because. I would say, all right, let's do it again. Like, no, we don't run the play. No, let's do, do the play again, especially when it was just the offense going through the scout uh, defense. I would go to Matt. I was like, hey, Matt, I messed it up. Let's run it again. I want to make sure, you know, I, yeah. I tried. I went inside. It's always just a, it's a feel thing. Like, I, I try to read it and see if I cut up inside to get to the linebacker or do I bounce it outside to get to the linebacker. And Mike usually follows me. When I make right. the wrong decision, it just bothers me. And it's more <laughs> of understanding so much about, Seeing the whole field, even though I'm still crouched down, be able to see the whole field, know where the safeties are, and kind of just let your body do the rest. Like, you know, when a running back, they cut. Sometimes they don't decide what to do. It's Their body feel. tells them what to do based on right. the environment. It's just skill. It's just reaction. And to have my body so conditioned on what to do on each play and understand who I'm playing against and the situation, that's when things get fun. And so those per- perfect play Fridays, it became a thing all the RBs tried to do because I, I was like, hey, every single play today, perfect. How about you? Huh? J-Rock? Mike T, what you got? Huh? Anton, <laughs> you? Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm the only person perfect here? All right, good. I just want to make sure. I want to make sure. Just me. But uh, but no, nah, I, I think the Falcons have some sort of, uh, you know, guy in there pushing them to be better. It's going to help everybody. 
I'll have you know when when I run the ball in Madden, I too do it by feel. It's not a it's not a thinking thing for me. I just <laughs> I'm just vibing. I'm in I'm in the moment, and you know it makes sense. Inside, outside, sense. What, what's up? Oh, outside. Let's go. Um, it makes sense. But, <laughs> no, I, and that's and that's kind of to my point where for a team that's that's getting used to the the new scheme, the new coach, the the new way of doing everything, that once that does click, and I, I think we saw today that what it could look like when it really does, because the blocking yeah. was, I mean, Corderell Patterson's touchdown run wasn't, yes, he runs hard and I trust that he could have run over a safety if he needed to. He didn't have to <laughs> like yeah. that thing was blocked and a wide open hole in the a gap opened up yep. for him like that. That's as easy as it gets. And it's why it's a testament um, to the improvement that I think this team is trying to make weekly. And they have a big test coming up and we're obviously going to talk a lot more about that um, in our podcast uh, on Friday with the Buccaneers, but beating a team like that cements every single thing that Arthur Smith and his staff have been preaching to these guys throughout the year, because you saw them in week two, you you lost by double digits. You feel like you've been getting better. Your record yeah. has, has been right there. You're in the hunt. If you go in and then knock off Tampa Bay, I mean, well, that, that yeah. is, that Ooh. is huge. That, that's huge it, for this team. Um, David Goliath. Right. We have nothing to lose, really. Uh, well, we have mm-hmm. something to lose, but it, it's, <laughs> no one expects us to win this game. No one expects us to win almost every game. But I, I think that with that mentality, we can go out there and just swing for the fences. So I'm, I'm excited to see what they do. Again, not get my hopes up at all because this Falcons team let a bad Jaguars team come back in the fourth quarter, as they always, always do. Literally, the here we go again. <laughs> we're filling my Twitter uh, feed. And I'm just like, this is unfortunate that we just don't have that killer instinct to put teams away. When we're up one, two, almost three touchdowns, you shouldn't be always letting them come back in. And that, yeah, have to do that. No, I agree with you. And I was, I was really thinking kind of midway through that game. My mindset was already going towards this conversation. And I was going to kind of be coming at it from the angle of like, was this the most complete game that we've seen Atlanta play? Because to that point, 14 nothing. you know, the offensive, I was like, okay, if they can double this up in the second half and maybe it's 28-7, that would be yeah. a really good game. It didn't play out like that. But yes, they're, they're, they're letting some of these leads get tighter. Some of that, I think, is just the nature of the NFL, of just the way that the game kind of works and, and the way that coaches do certain things in certain moments. Um, the Still, the third and 22, that's inexcusable. That's on the players. That's not on DMPs. But... More importantly, the Falcons are finding ways to still win these games. The games True. that they've blown these leads, they've actually still won them, <laughs> which yeah. is which is weird to say. But I mean, you think yeah. of you think of that Giants game, you think of you know the Dolphins game today, Thanks, the Saints dude. game. I mean, that all wins, and yeah, and even the Jets game got a little bit tight there, but they found a way to win it. So that is where it should be very encouraging because you've gone from a team that found every single way to lose to now one that is. Mm. Sure, you're not you're not stomping on these teams' throats the minute that you get them on the mat, but I don't even know if we should expect that from this team at this point. No. I mean, we're sitting here talking about, you know, this isn't even maybe a playoff team, so why would we necessarily expect them to dominate another NFL team? Like that's that is the tier that they've yet to get to. Maybe True. they can by the end of this season, and if they do, that would almost mean it, let's say they do, but then they still miss the playoffs, but they beat the lions 35 to 10 and they beat, you know, the, the saints, uh, 28 to 
13. Like if they miss the playoffs, those two kind of big yeah. wins would big almost win. speak as much as, as kind of reaching the postseason because the team's not there yet, but it kind of feels like they're on the cusp of that. Yeah, that's, that's a great point. Uh, absolutely a, a great point. I think the, we need to take what they give us and lower our expectations so we don't <laughs> get upset. So uh, I'm, I'm all the way with that. Awesome, man. Uh, you got anything else to say about this game before we get out of here? Nah, I'm uh, I'm I'm excited to see what's going to happen against the Bucks. Uh, I think it's going to be a good game, and this game right here, it's a win. Uh, a win is a win mm-hmm. is a win. At the end of the day, uh, no one's going to ha- have these conversations uh, when we uh, talk about the Falcons' season recap. It's going to be like they won five games, they won six, seven, eight, nine games, and and I'm happy to see this team coming away with those W's because this could have easily been a loss. We we've seen the Falcons play so bad to where they can't even beat the Jaguars, but they mustered up some offense, a.k.a. Cordell Patterson, to uh, come out with a win. Yeah, the Falcons didn't get any brownie points for losing close games last year, and they they shouldn't feel bad in any way, shape, or form for winning close games this year. I mean, that, that's go. just that's the way the NFL works, um, and you got to find a way to make the play when you got to make the play and uh, win the game any way, shape, or form. And the Falcons have been able to do that at times this year. Uh, and so that all leads us to a really – Interesting, fun, exciting, maybe potentially scary matchup against Tampa Bay next week. Um, but you get another shot at the top dog. You get another shot at Tom Brady. That'll be exciting. Antonio Brown potentially back. Um, so Ovi and I will record uh, our second podcast of the week later on. It'll be up Friday, and we will be breaking down that matchup. Uh, you know, what we saw the first time around, what we expect to change this time around. Um, until then... You guys can follow us on Twitter at Will McFadden at OviMahaley34. You can find us here every week. And please let everybody know, uh, now that the Falcons are competitive and the winner is is here, fun. Football's fun, again. It's nice to be talked about. Winning helps. Winning helps. Uh, So let's hope it continues, man. Um, As always, though, today's episode was presented by BetOnline. Thank you guys so much for listening. And take care. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.